1: What's up friends before we hop into the show gotta tell you about snooze mattress and guys you want to listen up to this because there's over 150 beds in a box each having two to three choices to select through with hundreds of reviews owned by different mattress companies, but here's the thing I'll make it easy. There's only one mattress that you even need to consider, and that is our friends over at Snooze Mattress. Their Snooze Flip Mattress makes a hard choice easy by creating a bed that is for. In one. And what I mean about this is one side is soft. If you flip it over, the other side is hard. Then they have this awesome uh, outside layer that one side is cool. And then the other side is hot. So you can mix and match. You can have hard and soft or hard and cool, soft and warm, whatever you want. You can get that done. It's great for couples. It's great if you're in the bed or in the game for a new bed. And it is so comfortable. And guys, here's the kicker. They have a 122 year warranty to back it up because the oldest person to ever live was 122 years old. They said, if someone lives longer than that, well, they will make their uh, warranty that much longer because that's just how much they trust their mattress. And here's the thing. If you use the code DNVR, you'll receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off a base adjustable. And of course, you got to check them out over at Snooze Mattress. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show.
2: Number one for the one and all. Brew and a friend, bleed orange and blue to the bitter end. Come and join us, DDN.
1: VR Broncos podcast I'm your host Zach Stevens joined by my man Andrew Mason and before we hop into the show gotta tell you about our presenting sponsor MSU Denver online because over at MSU Denver online they're the new urban online university with learning outcomes equivalent to face-to-face courses which is unheard of at other universities. But over at MSU Denver, they deliver, whether you're online or on person, they don't care. It's the exact same education. It's the exact same degree, which means you get to continue to live your life while getting that great education. So make sure to check them out over at MSU Denver online. My boy, Mace, welcome back. How are you doing, my friend? I'm fine. I'm very, look, I'm still on, a, on on
3: maybe not cloud nine, but I'm still on cloud five or six after the Atlanta Braves yeah. Beat the Dodgers and advanced the World Series, but uh, got to get over that in a hurry here because you don't want to spend too much time enjoying one step and then forget about the step in front of you. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. ah, but that was, that was quite a thrill on Saturday night and uh, yeah, quite nervous at times. And uh, there was that, there were parts of the game where I literally couldn't look at the television, but
1: mm-hmm.
3: Hey, mm-hmm. All was well that ended well. The Dodgers have been slain. So, yeah, forget about football. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about sports. However, I will say this, Zach, and it sort of gets into uh, what we're going to talk about with the Broncos. I'm having a little bit of an intellectual and existential crisis here because... There was every reason back in July for the Braves to put up the white flag and sell and move on. And against maybe not all odds, but some decent odds, they decided to make a couple of trades, see what could happen down the stretch, even though they were lacking some key players. Somehow they became a really hot team and here they are in the world series. So In intellectually, I'm thinking sell, sell, sell with the Broncos. And yet my heart is filled with joy sports wise, because the Braves didn't sell, sell, sell when they had the opportunity to. So I'm a little confused right now.
1: That's a very good point. And congratulations to you, Mace. I'm sure you're so pumped for tomorrow night when things get kicked off. But I mean, it's a really good point. I remember that conversation. And heck, I remember your DraftKings pick of the week. Every single week is picking the Braves to strike out. And that's just the confidence that you had. I guess the lack of confidence you had in that team. And while that continued to hit, the Braves also continued to win. And Mace, we haven't got to check in with you since the Broncos game, which I think left every Broncos fan on the opposite of cloud nine, whatever you call that, uh, in, in, in the basement, I guess, uh, that's how a lot of Broncos fans felt after that. I mean, what, what, what are your, some of your biggest takeaways from that game? And and then we will get into the, are the Broncos in cell mode Are the Broncos, what mode are they in? I can say this. I've,
3: I don't think I've covered a game that was close on the scoreboard that should have been more of a route than that one was.
1: Hmm. And we've Abs- experienced a lot of those in Broncos country recently.
3: Right. I mean, it's it was sort of interesting to kind of go and go on pro football reference and do a little bit of a dive into the numbers of what that game ended up with and how they and, and how the results were. There have been 674 games where a team allowed 375 plus only ha- in terms of yardage had 225 yards or fewer and lost the turnover battle and literally of those 674 games only a only a dozen were decided were closer or in one case one or in two cases one uh, by the team that was on the negative side of those numbers and for the Broncos when they've had those numbers Zach until last Thursday, the least they'd lost by was 18 points. And usually they're losing by 28 to 30. They mm. got manhandled. They got dominated. It was evident on the film. It was evident in the numbers. Every which, literally every which way except the, the scoreboard. And they were dominated by, a, by a, a team that was basically, at least on offense, uh, in tr- at least on parts of offense, I should say, because it did have OB Shane and Jarvis Landry back it was basically a JV in a lot of places. So what are you, you know, what are you thinking here? Um, How close are you? What should you be doing? Um, And, and, and when you look ahead, how does the outcome look? I mean, are you, you're going to get Jerry Judy back? Yes. You're probably going to get Bradley Chubb back, but do those move the needle in any way? Does changing the quarterback move the needle in any way? I mean, this is a real, you know, this is a real fork in the mo- road moment here, I think.
1: Yeah, it it really is, Mace. And this week, the Broncos get to play a team that also just got pretty manhandled uh, in the Washington football team. The team without a name, they get to play them at home. So if there's ever going to be a get-right game, and of course, Mace, we've we've talked about it, and unfortunately, the Broncos have been the other side of this joke. The, the Broncos have been the get-right game for the past four teams that they've played. Literally every team has needed to get right, and the Denver Broncos have helped them get right by handing the other team a win. Man, if there's ever a get-right game outside of maybe the Detroit Lions, who are showing a lot of heart right now. This Washington football team, I mean, we talk about a backup quarterback. Uh, we talk about a defense that has a lot of talent, but is really not playing up to it. I mean, the the Broncos, a lot of people are saying they have a lot of talent, and they're not playing up to it. You think that about the Broncos, that's on steroids for the Washington football team, and heck... Broncos have a chance to end their losing streak to get back to 500. Look at where the Kansas city chiefs are. They're at the same record as the Broncos, just as everyone expected through seven weeks of the season, the Las Vegas Raiders are number one place in the AFC West. So a lot of things, can happen but mace an additional thing is not just that the broncos didn't just get manhandled against the browns but of course that was their fourth straight loss and it seems like things are, are in a free fall do you do you think that's the case it feels that way and it's funny you mentioned
3: washington they, they lost 24 10 but that was the one game i was able to kind of keep my eye on uh, my eyes on on sunday and that wasn't a manhandling of Washington by the Green Bay Packers. In fact, that's a game where Washington had more yards, more yards per play, more first downs, and had two opportunities to score. They got stopped on downs at the one and the three in the third quarter because, mm-hmm. of course, we know that Ron Rivera is Rivera R- Ron. And one of them, it's, it's kind of a, an interesting interpretation. It's an interpretation that's changed. You know how there's the rule about the quarterback giving himself up well a change a few years ago was that if a quarterback dives headfirst rather than slides that's considered giving oneself up and that's why taylor heineke when he dove for the end zone and fell and and fell short uh, without being touched and then got in that's why I replay took it off the board. And that's kind of a bizarre interpretation of, of that rule. And it's one that I think the NFL should work on changing, but that was a games act that was very close to Washington being in position to pull it off at Lambeau field. So I, I think that's a team that even though their pass defense is an absolute mess right now. It and is. if, if you're talking about a get right game for whoever is at quarterback and probably Jerry Judy being back this week, there's a real opportunity for a get right game in the passing game, just overall going up against Washington. But it's, I'm not sure it's going to be a get right game for the defense the way Washington mm. looked on Sunday.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, uh, and what I meant by Manhattan, I just never really thought that yeah. the, the football team had a chance to win. But you're right. I mean, they, they were driving the ball and they had more yards. Uh, but when Aaron Rodgers wanted it, man, did he yeah. get it? Against that, deal. and certainly Teddy Bridgewater is no Aaron Rodgers, Mace. Uh, mm-hmm. But but like you said, that their pass defense is really bad, and unfortunately, I mean the Broncos weren't able to do anything against Case Keenum. Uh, Case Keenum, Mace was tearing oh. them apart. Uh, when, when he wanted it, he had it. Now Case only threw for 199 yards, but it's because they were running the football so. Darn well. So I want to go back to that game really quick, Mason. Just just pick your brain a little more about that. Well, what part of this team are you most concerned about during this four-game losing streak? Well,
3: the offense has been mediocre, but let's face it, we expected that. The concern, honestly, a big concern I have is up front, and obviously, we know about where the linebacker situation stands. They've been shredded an inside linebacker, and that's affecting them against the run. But the defensive line has been blown off the snap way too often this year. Now we did see Draymond Jones get some pressures. Shelby Harris broke through with a sack on on, th- on Thursday night, and of course had the block field goal on special teams. So maybe things are getting a little better. Although losing Mike Purcell, who was doing a really good job of drawing double teams and drawing holding penalties, isn't, isn't going to help there. But the amount of times that you saw the that you keep seeing the line get pushed back when they're defending the run. We Mm -hmm. saw it against Pittsburgh. We saw it again against the Browns. Las Vegas didn't really test that because they wanted to really establish the pass before they established the run. And that philosophy seems to be working right now based on what they've done since John Gruden was, uh, was let go, resigned, whatever. And, and Greg Olson started calling the plays. But I'm really concerned about how this team is getting beat up front. And, and and if you want to just say in general, on both sides of the ball, they're losing right. at the line of scrimmage. Everything is starting there for this team.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, Mace, on the offensive side of the ball, I think that makes the Broncos running backs even that much more impressive this year with their yards per carry, mm-hmm. how they're looking, is because they're not getting – huge holes like Dearness Johnson was getting to run through no they're having to fight for every single yard because the offensive line isn't doing that good of a job and the offensive line unfortunately is doing better in the run game than they are in the pass game so that just tells you where they are in the pass game but you're right this this offense was not supposed to be great it was not supposed to carry this team it was the defense that's supposed to be great and carry this team and that's why there's no doubt it is a major concern in Mays we just get more bad news over the weekend. Uh, Mike Kaiser, who was supposed to fill in as the starting linebacker next to Justin Sternod the rest of the season in place for Josie Jewell, he's going to miss a couple of weeks with an injury. Purcell could miss a couple of weeks. They're still d- d- determining the extent of his thumb injury, but mm-hmm. he could be out for a couple of weeks. Uh, and so that just, I mean, you talk about the the place that you're worried about the most, and that's that's most recently concerning that interior of the defense just gets weaker. So the Broncos right now they're going to be st- and Curtis Robinson, Mace, it, the guy who be- came in to back or to to take over Micah Kaiser when he got hurt. Now he's injured. He might be out for some time. So you literally are on practice squad guys. And you don't have any depth behind it. So then over the weekend, the Broncos did make a trade, but it wasn't to help that inside linebacker group. It was to help the outside linebacker group because that group has also been really injured, but it's just flipping seventh round picks for, for Steven Weatherly, uh, an outside linebacker from the Vikings. So a lot of people joking that the Broncos are becoming the Minnesota Broncos here out in Denver. The, the Denver yeah. Vikings, might you say, not a big move there as this team just continues to get hurt with injuries on the defensive side. And like you said, the one good news, Jerry, Judy will play this week.
3: Yeah, that's going to be huge. And uh, basically you're kind of thinking, all right, can you out, can you outscore the football team? Because it might, it might take a big game against that struggling pass defense that Washington possesses to to win this one. You might have to try to win it 31, 28, Uh, kind of uh, in the midst of all this, thinking about the, about the inside linebacker position, Kaiser going on IR, You got Baron Browning coming back from a concussion, presumably. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he's a cure-all here, but if you don't have a massive turnaround here, you are thinking in terms of, okay, we have to start finding out about guys. I think, obviously, if you don't have a massive turnaround here in the next couple of weeks, job number one is start finding out about Drew Locke again and see if he has somehow – Learned things that can help him and maybe make him a viable starting quarterback again from his time on the bench. But on the defensive side, you've got Alexander Johnson and Joe Zajuelo out for the season. You're expecting to get Bradley Chubb back at some point. When Bar- Baron Browning gets gets back from the concussion, put him in an in, inside linebacker and stick him there for the rest of the year. And you just have to. yeah, and not only because you need somebody, you start finding out whether he can do
1: what you drafted him to do. The, uh, right. Absolutely. And also he's a guy that needs to learn the position, Mace. So mm-hmm. don't have him bounce around. Don't mess around without an outside like Keep him at inside linebacker. And on top of that, if anyone is going to have the physique and stature to come in and replace Alexander Johnson and be a very physical presence in the run game, it's him. Could could Browning do any worse than what we saw Thursday night? No. No. I, I mean, I, I, I really don't think so.
3: With all respect to Justin Stranad who we've talked about at length on here as somebody who needs to add size and also is still learning how to be in the box and defend the run and is definitely more of a pass coverage guy. At this point, Stranad clearly isn't ready for an every down role, especially if he does not have somebody next to him. He was fine with Alexander Johnson next to him without Johnson or if, let's say jewel had been the one healthy and Johnson had been the one work injured in in week two, same thing without that guy next to him. It's just not going to be there. And, you know, he was, he, he was out of position. He was missing tackles. You're going to have to play him just out of necessity, but, um, I don't think you should hesitate to kind of shake things around and uh, and give Browning some reps because right, what you have right at, right now out there is getting gash gash gash. And the other thing with the Weatherly trade, it makes sense because you do give yourself more depth on the edge. It's a relatively minimal cost the Broncos are assuming a little over $900,000. Uh, on the cap. I mean, that's, you know, I, I really would prefer they not, they not assume any cap charges, but uh, if you can trade Kyle Fuller, you can more than balance that out. So mm-hmm. I think that's actually pretty fair, but um, inside linebackers where right now you simply do not have enough pro quality guys for every down rolls at this point, you simply, they're, they're just not there. So no, they're, they're not, they had Avery Williamson in their camp a couple weeks back, but then the Titans brought him back off their practice squad. I feel a lot better if they'd managed to keep him. That was, just, that was unfortunate when you look back on that. Yeah. So it's, it, it yeah, really was. it's a mess. It, 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 it's a mess. And, and that's why I think you put Browning out there, start seeing to fi- start finding out what you have. And really, I mean, if you, I hate position shifts, Zach, but if you really, get if you really want to kind of get desperate get creative i mean maybe you start kind of changing the the looks that you that you have maybe you you move one of your edges on the inside on on a short-term basis just to get a better quality of player out there i i mean there are no good solutions here unless you are trying to make a trade for the now unless you're you're the atlanta braves and you've lost your your you've lost your, your primary slugger in acuna you've lost uh, one of your key bats in Ozuna to being to, to domestic violence uh, stuff that justifiably got him suspended and you lost your number one starting picture in Mike Soroka, but they said, okay, let's, let's put together a duct tape and bailing wire solution in the outfield. I mean, I mean that that's, I guess what you could do, but you don't want to sacrifice too much. The thing is in baseball, everybody has low level prospects that they're or bad contracts that they can kind of move around football. Unfortunately, Zach doesn't offer the kind of flexibility to do what the Braves did without sacrificing a great deal.
1: Yeah, you're, you're 100% right, Mason. And, and you talked about the Broncos potentially trading away some guys. You talked about the Broncos potentially trading for some guys. That's going to be a huge topic of conversation for us this week, Mace, which we're going to dive into both of those because the trade deadline is one week from tomorrow at 2 p.m., the Broncos have to either be buyers, sellers, or standstill. And the Broncos haven't been shy to make a couple of trades at the deadline in the past couple of years. But of course, now we know the Broncos are under different uh management with George Payton leading the cause. But man, George is also not afraid to make deals, as we just saw this week, uh, bringing in an outside linebacker. So Mace, that's something we're going to dive into. And I can't wait to because I think I think he made a great point that maybe hold off on sell, sell sell, -hmm. or at least not necessarily hold off on that, but maybe there's some other perspectives to have of this. But Mace, if you're looking to buy, 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 You got to check out our friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. Michael and Virginia Chevalier are not only members of this DNVR community and diehard Broncos fans. They're also Rams fans. Go Rams. But they are leading a fantastic uh, company over there at Chevalier Mortgage. And one of the biggest things about this is they look at your entire financial picture, which is absolutely huge when you're considering buying a home, refinancing a home. It's more than just that mortgage that you want to look at. And Michael Chevalier as a certified financial planner, making it so he can look at your entire financial picture and say exactly what's right for you. More than just your mortgage, they look at everything. And they have a fun perk for DNVR members. If you visit them over at dnvrmortgage.com, you'll enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, you'll get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. You can find that out over at DNVR Mortgage. So check them out. Whether you're buying... Whether you need a refinance or you're just curious about it, now is the time, and their goal is to take all of the stress off you. So make sure to check them out over at dnvrmortgage.com. Also check out the DNVR bar. Yes, things are popping over there because now
3: not only are the Broncos in season, we've got college football, of course, with CU and CSU, but the Avs and Nuggets are both in season. So we've got watch parties every day, every night that they're playing over at the DNVR bar. And the good thing about coming to watch an Avs or Nuggets game at the DNVR bar is that the games are broadcast with sound. So you don't have to worry about just kind of being able to saying, oh, can I see the game, but not hear what the announcers are saying. No, no, no. You can hear the announcers. You can hear the roar of the crowd. You can hear everything when you come on down to DMVR bar and come to one of our Nuggets or Avs watch parties. That's more than you're going to get at a lot of sports bars in the Denver metropolitan area. So make sure you come on out. If you're a DMVR member, of course, get that big size beer for the price of a regular beer. And don't forget to check out, we've got happy hour now at the DMVR bar. We've got cheap drinks, delicious Wagyu beef, and a happy hour from 3 to 6 p.m. every day at the DNVR bar. You get off work a little early. Come on, check it out. Have a drink. Again, if you're a member, get that big beer for the price of a small beer. But as always, make sure you, you drink responsibly and take care of yourself. At those watch parties, if you're a DNVR member, You can get extra raffle tickets and win free gear. Make sure you mention that you are a member. And of course, if you're a DNVR member, you get a free DNVR shirt. You get access to to discounts at the DNVR locker, chances to hop on a live stream or podcast for any of our DNVR shows and and much, much more if you become a DNVR member today
1: and mace you mentioned those member beers you got to check out the breckenridge beers and we pretty much have the full arsenal on tap but if you really want to get the full arsenal make sure to go check out the farmhouse down in littleton and when you're there Use the code DNVR and you'll save $5 on your pickup orders called 303-803-1380. And guys, the farmhouse is such a cool place. It's literally like you're on uh, a brewery farm it, it it's so cool. They set up so many games. They have a lot of concerts going on. So you want to check out everything they've got going on at the farmhouse. And of course, if you want to order their delicious food, which it is delicious, call 303-803-1380 from 12 to eight for pickup and use that code DNVR to save $5 off your orders. And of course... Whether If you you can't make it here uh, out to Colorado or make it to the farmhouse, find Breckenridge Brew. You can go on their website to their Breck Brew locator to find out exactly where they've got all of their beers and exactly what beers you can find at certain liquor stores. And of course, I recommend the Strawberry Sky. The Ava- We're entering avalanche beer season right now, kind of an amber, kind of more time for the, the darker beers, Vanilla Porter Jr. with the nuggets starting up. We're going to get some cold weather sometime here, but you can still stick with Strawberry Sky because Mace, it is another beautiful day in Colorado. So make sure to check out all the good beers over with our friends at Breckenridge Brewery. All right, Mace, we're going to do something a little different today because the people want to be heard. We have so many questions. We're going to do two segments of questions here today. Kind of get caught up because we definitely want to hear from you. So Mace, let's hop into the comment section right now. And the first one is coming in from Broncology. He says, I can honestly say I've never felt this way after a game. I'm a lot more patient than most and my comments over the years reflect that. I can't stand who this team is. I can't stand the embarrassment. It's embarrassing this team calls themselves professionals. It's time for Peyton to start leading from the front front and fire this sorry excuse for a coaching staff. I don't know what else to say for the first time in 34 years. I'm embarrassed to be a Bronco fan.
3: Wow. You weren't embarrassed to be a Bronco fan when uh, they illicitly videotaped a practice in London and basically cheated. I mean, to me, the like, this is bad, but I'm, I'm embarrassed by different things than that with my team. Like, I, like with the, like with the Braves, I was embarrassed when they got, when they got caught paying off uh, people down in, in, in Latin America to steer prospects, to the Braves. And that resulted
1: in a bunch of people justifiably getting fired. That's what I consider embarrassing. And well, and, and he, here's why, where he may come in, in that is, he may say that was a one person problem. That was a Josh McDaniels problem. And what happened? Was it the next week? Is when Joe Ellis came in and fired him. What wasn't it that soon after that?
3: It was. Uh, it it was nine days after it was yep, revealed. Yep. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So so I think uh, that was ice. He he may be thinking that was isolated to a one person problem. And mace. This is something that I talked about on the post game pod. Is now if the season continues to go this way, this is something where people are going to start questioning George Payton uh, for just his, him sitting on the sideline, watching this happen, whether it's right or wrong. You know, he did make some moves this offseason. This is part of his team. This certainly isn't his entire team, but just a warning to George that your grace period is going to run out very quickly. If you care about that.
3: Yeah. And a new owner could cut into that grace period as well. I mean, (laughs) that's true look, Peyton should be secure given the length of his contract, but the possibility of some multi-billionaire money bags owner coming in and saying, I've got my own GM that I want. uh, I'll, I'll bring that person in. Maybe not immediately, maybe, but maybe Peyton is on the hot seat literally in his second year on the job. If you have somebody who's willing, who has the financial muscle to make a quick change. I mean, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is I think it's smart that George Payton has a six year contract smart on his part because ownership brings everything into question. New ownership could change everything could could change everything could be a clean sweep. And the other thing with it, with the ownership issue is that it makes George Payton's job harder if he wants to change the coaching staff in the off season, because as we've talked about, if you are one of the primo coaching candidates, why would you come to a team? If you had multiple options, why would you come to a team where you don't know who the owner is going to be in five months? Uh, That's, and that's, that's looming over this. It's like, it's, it's the cloud that won't clear. And I I know Woody page wrote about over the weekend, that kind of the timing is just a mess here because You may be in a situation where you need to make big changes on the football side, but are you going to be able to make changes with the the quality of people that you would prefer to have? Because, let's just toss out a name there, Doug Peterson. Why would Doug Peterson come to Denver when there are probably going to be other jobs waiting for him that are more stable from the top down?
1: Yeah, I mean, without it, every job is going to be more stable because you d- literally don't know who the owner's going to be, except you know there's going to be an owner change. That's the only thing you know is, is change is coming, but you have no idea what that's going to look like. And so I may say it's a very scary point that maybe the Broncos make a change and they have to make more changes in the coming years because of just all the uncertainty. Or maybe, and I know Broncos fans don't want to hear this, and it's the first time I've thought of it, Maybe George Payton just holds steady for another year with this until there's an owner mm-hmm. in place. Oh my goodness. That is a, that, that is a big uh, conversation, which something we'll be following next. one. Uh, from- oh, well, first
3: really- real quick though, Zach, before, before we move on, I think there's also the possibility, and maybe this is more realistic that instead of holding fast with the current staff as is that, It's a promotion from within and it's like, okay, well, here, here's the year for you, Mike Munchak, something Mm. like that. And that's actually the, that if this thing goes sideways, that's the sort of possibility that I wouldn't close my eyes to. If Peyton finds that the candidate pool for head coaches is lacking at the same time, one thing in his favor Mm. is there are only 32 of these jobs. And like, even the Houston Texans job was attractive to David Cully, a coaching lifer who hadn't had a head coaching shot and finally got his, is it a great shot? No, it's not, but it's still one of 32. And so that's where maybe a a name that could kind of come into play. uh, Somebody who worked with the Vikings back in the, in the two thousands and 2010s was their head coach and is Buffalo's defensive coordinator. And that's Leslie Frazier. And Frazier hasn't gotten a sniff since he was with the Vikings, and maybe that's the sort of thing you're looking at. But uh, again, I know that's probably not what fans want.
1: No, it certainly isn't. And may sticking with this current regime, even if it's moving on from Vic and hiring from within, that is certainly not going to excite fans, especially if this season keeps going that way. But I mean, it's a very good point. It's something that they may have to consider. Next one coming in from Elroy Jetson. Hi guys. It's your boy Elroy. When Vic was hired, I had hope that is gone. When drew was brought in, I had a little hope, but was worried since my Kentucky Wildcats smashed him. That is gone. When Pat Shermer was brought in at the end of the first year that Vic was here, uh, it, I knew we were in trouble. I had commented in the past. I do not understand why. Now I'm mad. Pat Bullen has to be turning in his grave. I hate losing sleep, losing. I hate long sleeve shirts, but I refuse to leave my arm exposed because of my Bronco tattoo. Ouch. I am ride or die Bronco, but we are all out embarrassing. Peyton needs to become the ax man and start chopping heads. At this point, I'm okay. If we forfeit the rest of the season and spend it talking to coaching candidates, rant, over and Mace, these are the exact type of comments mm-hmm. and that, that a lot of Broncos country feels that just show that, man, I don't think a, uh, if the Broncos just make a minor change, whether it's in season after season, it's going to satisfy a lot of fans and not that George Payton needs to be doing it to satisfy fans, but uh, small changes won't won't be accepted.
3: Yeah, and yet there's a possibility that might be all that he has the po- that he has the potential to do
1: with mm-hmm. the ownership situation because that's tough.
3: It's tough. It's just bad timing. It's just, yep. all these things are coming together. And then on top of everything else, you almost certainly don't have your quarterback for 2022 on the roster right now. How about that?
1: Yep. 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 Uh, you don't, you may, you may uh, not have your head coach quarterback owner. And uh, like we talked about, there's a chance your GM either. Yeah. What a,
3: what a bleak show. Kirk Smith, 44. This team sucks. Was let's see, that was like six or like eight U's. I think that was enough.
1: I think two weeks.
3: Yeah. Two weeks ago after the Steelers game, I commented on here, quote, when this defense get needs to get a stop, do you ever think they will? No, unquote. We all felt that same way Thursday night. That being said, this is an era of offensive football. Maybe it's offensive football. And we can only up muster up 14 points. This team is a joke. Players appear to have no heart. Coaches seem to have no brain. The GM appears to have no courage to make changes, and unfortunately, this isn't like the Wizard of Oz because this sad sack of a team doesn't have these things all along, and they just don't know it. I really think they play heartless. The coaches are idiots, and the GM showed he didn't have the courage in May. and took a cornerback instead of having some balls and picking one of the two QBs left on the board.
1: Mm, Yep, and uh, people are already on to next year, and Mace, you just you hope the quarter the quarterback class this coming year is good because right now it's a little shaky and it pretty much always looks a little shaky in October and then by April you know people are feeling good about five guys you hope that's the case again this year
3: yeah you hope that's you hope, you hope that's the case i mean you know for example we we're, we're, we're talking about uh, we're we're talking about college football we're talking about college quarterbacks and you know a name that's starting to come up more and more is Kenny Pickett out of Pitt and he's having a marvelous season, as uh, Eric Edholm reported. He has eight and a quarter inch hands, so we're going to get back into the hand size discussion. Oh my god! Because Kenny Pickett has like everything else right now going for
1: him. Well, then I don't care you know, how big his hands are; he can throw a football. I'm not worried about that. And people think Drew Locke and Teddy
3: Bridgewater have small hands. Drew is nine has nine inch hands, and Teddy has nine and a quarter inch hands. And this guy has eight and a quarter. Uh huh, according Uh-oh. to Eric Cuddle. Now, maybe remember when a few years ago when it came up, who was the quarterback that was talking about
1: doing those stretching exercises to kind of oh, get my your gosh. fingers bigger? <laughs> yeah, he'll be doing oh. some of those. Oh, wait, was that Brandon Allen? That was Brandon Allen, wasn't was it? Was it Brandon Allen got some playing time yesterday in the Cincinnati Bengals route ah! of the Baltimore Ravens? Mace, that yeah. Bengals game doesn't just look tough now, it looks oh. it looks like an L. I mean, the, the Cincinnati Bengals look 100% legit, and that game going into Baltimore and destroying the Ravens showed it.
3: I was reading something this morning before we did this podcast, Zach, uh, talking with uh, someone, were, the reporter was talking with somebody in Vegas, who said if the Bengals and Chiefs played on a neutral field, the Bengals would be favored. Wow. wow. Who saw that coming? And <laughs> by the way, Brandon... Seriously. Yeah, Brandon Allen took his hand size from eight and a half inches at the senior bowl to eight and seven, eight inches before the draft. And he said it was
1: thanks to massage work. Oh my God. I don't need people pulling their fingers out of their sockets in order to get bigger hands. Just if you can hold the foot, unless your hands, if your hands are my size, we may have an issue. If not, I think you're fine. Uh,
3: you know what? They could have drafted Russell Wilson back in 2012 instead of Brock Osweiler and spared themselves this because he has 10 and a quarter inch chance.
1: No, <laughs> how about that? You don't have to worry about that with Russ. Elroy <laughs> Jetson again says it's me again. My apologies for making a second comment. Can we get a GoFundMe going to send Vic and company to space, please, on a totally not related wink wink thing? Can someone link me to a great hacker that can adjust the software of a giant rocket and aim it at the sun? That's all for this time. <laughs> well, you know that that's a that's a simple ask.
3: Yeah. What's Elon Musk's next? Net worth. We know what Jeff Bezos's net worth is, right?
1: Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, Elon Musk could for sure buy the team, and then you'd have all the rockets at your disposal. That's what I mean. We're just gonna have all, <laughs> all these, all these rockets. Although Peter King did did
3: have a a, a thing in his column this morning about uh, Broncos ownership, and he wrote this quote: "I've heard that at least four individuals of means." have been actively digging around to discover if said purchase will be smart, unquote, and then writes that Jeff Bezos, quote, is not interested, at least now he's not, unquote. Look, the NFL owners as a group, and then up to the commissioner, Roger Goodell, they really want Jeff Bezos in their club. I mean, they're mm-hmm. very persnickety about who they, who they don't want in their club, but clearly they want Jeff Bezos in that room.
1: Yeah yeah of of course they do i mean the the wealthiest guy on the earth that would only help right
3: yeah so that's that's what's interesting here is like you have the nfl that really wants bezos to 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 have, buy a team and bezos is kind of saying oh i'm going to i'm going to kind of wait take my time over here and yeah he probably is looking at more seattle and washington uh, as possibilities mm-hmm. because yeah. those are his home bases right now but who knows i, I I don't think it's likely I, but I would not uh, be surprised if uh, there is some lobbying done on a league level regarding the availability of this team to someone like Bezos.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either. And that we certainly know that's going to be the storyline in the off season.
3: And that has its, and again, we could do a month's worth of podcast about the many pros and many cons
1: of, someone like jeff bezos owning this team oh absolutely next one from rob says my boys i'm out on teddy he had a strong start but he's De- developed into the check down machine we thought he was. Third and 10, he throws for seven. Third and seven, he throws for four. There was a third and three last night where he threw for two. His consistency would be impressive if it wasn't so frustrating. His two touchdowns against the Browns came from maximum effort plays by the running backs. I don't think Locke can save this team, but Steady Teddy has five turnovers in two games. Locke can do that and throw 60 yards down the field to Sutton. The season is over. We might as well get some highlight reel plays along the way. Rob, I know. Know what you're talking about, but I can't ignore the true fact that Mace wasn't Drew Lock like the worst passer downfield last year in the NFL. Right down
3: there, he struggled under pressure, struggled throwing downfield. I mean, so he's what? he's got the
1: arm strength, but not the right. arm accuracy. Exactly. So, well, Rob, you're, you're not, I'm not just, just calling you out, but when a lot of people think uh, at least drew makes the big plays, I mean, he has the potential to make them, but last year he, he just didn't, I do get your frustration with Teddy and not throw into the sticks on third down. I mean, that, that is infuriating when any quarterback does it. And it certainly happened a lot of times against Cleveland. He goes on and says, yeah, well, but one thing
3: have- I asked have just to interject real quickly on that. When I was watching, rewatching Raiders Eagles last night, Zach, um, I was. Yeah. You know what uh, Carr was doing more than a few times?
1: He was letting his receivers
3: make plays. Yeah, but he was throwing below the sticks it, it, and letting his receivers make plays. Yes, exactly. It's, ha- I mean, every quarterback does that. Now, I think with Bridgewater, it's because it's part of the narrative. And it's also, right. you're like, okay, we have a three game losing streak. Let's push it downfield. Let's do something. But I think some of it, like, Noah Fant, on, some, on a couple of those plays where he comes up short, he's got to break through and make the play,
1: okay? I, I cannot believe that he wasn't able to get that one yard he needed. Oh,
3: my gosh. That was I so mean,
1: disappointing.
3: I mean, so, some of this is on the pass catchers, too. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. That, that's fair. And also the play calls and, and, and mm-hmm. things as well. So it's not just all on Bridgewater, but I do understand the frustration. He goes, yeah. I would suggest burning it all down and building draft capital by trading everyone when we can, but Peyton thinks this franchise quarterbacks are available in free agency. So I don't even have faith. He'll do a full rebuild. How did we get here? How do we get out of it? Man Mace. I mean, after Thursday night's game, it really felt like this team needs a full rebuild and and I'm not out of that camp yet. It still does feel like that would be the best thing moving forward, but I've hoped for a full rebuild for about five seasons now and obviously John Elway wasn't able to, wasn't willing to do that. And I'm not sure that George Payton will be willing to do that. Uh, but I, I teams don't go into full rebuild mode that easily. And so I just, I don't have a lot of confidence that the Broncos are going to do that.
3: Yeah. And it's funny to kind of talk about what a free, a full rebuild entails. Um, Well, I mean, I'll just kind of ask you this last year, the Bengals, had Joe Burrow, of course, he got hurt uh, ten games into the season in Washington. Um, the nine, the nine full games he played, the Bengals were two six and one. They end up going four eleven and one. Is that the sort of thing that you want for maybe a year or two? Because Broncos country, it looks like it's at a meltdown state right now, and the team is three and four. Um, what if What if you go full rebuilding? You're one and eight. I mean, what if, or let's say you go full rebuild, but you say, all right, the quarterback answer isn't in 2022. We're going to punt until 2023. Mm. And we're just going to have somebody to get by with for 22. And right. the team is, and if you've, you've stripped down the roster, you've gotten your cap situation in order, you're, you're, you're accumulating draft picks and you're sitting there at two and seven, one and eight. I mean, that's going to, are, are, is everyone going to be okay with that? I would like to think yes, because, a rebuild is a direction, but you never know what that rebuild is a direction to the Jaguars. Remember a few years ago when they stripped it down. Oh yeah. You know what they got out of that that rebuild one playoff appearance Mm. one, and they only got one because Blake Bortles primarily because Blake Bortles was the wrong guy at quarterback. So again, if you miss on the quarterback, boom, it's just everything devolves from there. So you have to have patience. I, I think the Broncos should do a full rebuild because I don't see the prospects in the moment as being exceptionally bright. But I think everyone needs to know what they're getting into in terms Lemaitre. of what a full rebuild is.
1: In, in Mesa, I think what what you're spot on about is how this would have to happen is George Payton would have to admit that to the fans. And maybe he doesn't use the word rebuild. Oh, I want maybe, him to say it. I want him well, to say well, it. Well, and, and maybe he explains the process of what it's going to be like and be very clear and then fans would get behind. But if you do this where you say we're going to try to win again next year and then you go out and you're three and four on a four-game losing streak, that's when fans get so upset is because not only are they mad at the product, but they don't see the hope. They don't see the vision. And so you you would want George to come out and and say – it it may be a rough couple of years, but we're gonna get this thing right, and we're gonna get it right in the best possible way.
3: And you know something that's interesting? Remember when they were doing that building the Broncos series on the Broncos right site in the off season? Yep. You know what the first episode was called? No shortcuts. Mm. What has this team done way too often in the last few years? They've been looking for a lot one band aids, short- <laughs> band aids, and one shortcut after another. They've been looking for shortcut, 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 and and none of them have worked.
1: Yes, and the Bron- the Broncos did a lot of shortcuts this year too under George Payton's watch just to be fair. I'm going to make a third Atlanta Braves reference in this podcast. In
3: in 2014 they had a bad month, September. They went into September in wild card position. They f- they flamed out down the stretch, end up 79-83. And what felt like preemptively based on one bad month, they tore that thing down fast. And and basically put themselves into three years of rebuild mode, three years of irrelevance, three years of 90 plus losses, looking exceptionally bad. They just had their fourth season with a division title, and now they're going to the world series. It's a different sport. I know, but there is some merit to maybe even preemptively. So if you don't see your ceiling as being that high, tearing it, tearing down and trading the assets while they still have value. Mm. And then, and then, Doing that slow build back up, and I mean, you can look at uh, you can look at what they did. You can I was looking back at like a scorecard from tw- from a 2017 game I went to and a 2018 game, and looking at the lineups, I'm like, okay, well, here's where th- this piece came in, and that piece came in, and that piece came in, and so on. And you start doing it brick by brick by brick.
1: Well, and John Elway was supposed to be the this great guy in free agency, which he proved to be when he had Peyton Manning. He was great at getting the to Tlaib, DeMarcus Ware, TJ Wards of the world here. That was his MO, and when it was right, it was great. George Peyton's MO is supposed to be building the, wa- the the roster from the back end up, and man, if you need a guy for a rebuild, that's certainly the type of guy you want, as opposed to a John Elway who's just going to lure in the big free agents. That doesn't work when you're trying to rebuild. George Peyton, a different attitude, different back. Background, different set of skills. That is the guy that you want. And Mace, I mean, we're, we're talking about rebuilds right now. when you think of rebuild, you think of a long process, you think of needing a jolt. If you need a jolt to your day, make sure to check out our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee, because not only will you get delicious coffee with that caffeine punch, but you'll get the CBD infusement that it comes with. And CBD helps with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on with your body. A lot of say. Say it helps relieve. And on top of that, some people even say it gets rid of the coffee jitters. You can have as much coffee as you want or get your day started off with a cup of joe without feeling the coffee jitters, which is ideal. And also another two-in-one punch that Strava's got for you. If you use the code DNVR25 when you order your first purchase, you'll get 25% off that order, which you will want to do. Get that discounted to 75%. And then if you subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee after that, it's free to do. You'll get 20% off your orders, every single order for the rest of your life. So make sure to go to StravaCoffee.com to try out all the delicious CBD infused coffees. I love how many different flavors they have. They have toast and marshmallow one, which is just fantastic. And of course, if you use the code DNVR 25 you'll get 25% off. So check them out over at StravaCoffee.com also let's talk about hassle cattle company because you want something to eat when you're having that that
3: coffee right you the coffee is gonna wash it down you come on down the dnvr bar you can get some of that strava cold brew on tap and get that wagyu beef burger with beef from hassle cattle company but you know what you can also get it at home and get it on a discount hassle is hooking you up with 10 percent off your entire purchase that's the DNVR code, pardon me, ugh, that's the code DNVR10 at checkout to save 10% any time. Get some of that delicious beef from Hassle Cattle Company. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef Hassel is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas and ships all over the USA straight to your door, and they call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, franks with no fillers, and two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, and we love their beef so much you can get at the DNVR bar with that Hassel Cattle Company Wagyu beef burger. But the country loves their beef. They take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, which gives you that very high prime product grown with zero antibiotics and hormones. So head on over to HasselCattleCompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, CattleCompany.com. Use that code DMVR10 for 10% off your order and get that order over $200 and get free shipping. That's dnvr 10 for 10% off at Hassel Cattle Company.
1: DraftKings is handing out $200 in free bets. Here's all you have to do. You bet $5 on any NFL team to win their next game. And if you're a new customer and they win, you'll get $200 in free bets that you can use on any game after that. So guys, maybe you want to get in on this Monday night game. Saints four point favorites going into Seattle to play the Geno Smith led Seahawks. If you place $5 on one of those teams and that team wins, then you'll have $200 in free bets to spend on this Thursday night's game which is going to be an awesome game with the Cardinals playing host to the Green Bay Packers or this weekend where you can get in on college football pro football and that is such a great way to build up your account is hitting on these free bets and then you you, you deposit a certain amount of money and now you have $200 in free bets to use so make sure to check out our friends over at DraftKings sportsbook you got to get in on the same game parlays i hit on one last night. I taken a little Colts plus the over that hit for me. Maybe you want to do the same thing, get in the same game parlay. They've also have so they, they feel like it's every, every day they're offering uh, your money back on the same game parlay if it doesn't hit. So you have to download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to bet $5 to get $200 in free bets. If you win, make sure to check them out because they're an official sports betting partner of the NFL and they're the official sports betting app, book, book app of DNVR. VR as well. So it must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sports. Book for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Mace. Let's continue with these comments and get to as many as we can. See Fillmore 72 says, Gentlemen, greetings from the UK. Game time here was at 1.20 a.m. I tun- tuned in early and set the alarm for 5.45 to watch the game as live before work this morning. I have been better to have stayed asleep, dreaming of a time when the Broncos could compete against the capable well-coached teams but that's all it is right now a dream I consider myself an optimistic fan and don't like to clamor for anyone to lose their job but changes are in order starting with Pat Shermer and Mace as we know over this weekend no changes to be made with the coaching staff
3: were you surprised about that
1: no I I think and the more and more I think about this Mace the more I think that it's going to have to get really bad for Vic to make a move, and there's a chance that Vic just ends up being too loyal and won't make any moves, and that'll end up hurting him. Yeah, and uh, and
3: maybe maybe something happens at the at the bye week if things don't get turned around. Of course, there was that about fifteen minutes on Friday night where there was that Mike Cliss that fake Mike Cliss account that fooled Woody Page and got everyone all at Twitter. <laughs> But uh, it's funny, like when when Woody put that out there, I had seen the fake tweet oh, yeah. for some reason. I saw that like about 10 minutes before and I'm thinking, oh, Woody, I think you fell for it. And he did. Oh, mm, like, yes. Come he, on. He did. I, you, I felt You got to watch out for those fake accounts. We've all fallen for them at times, but we've all learned the lesson. Look for look at the Twitter handle. Read it quite carefully. Zach, on Saturday, something that I, I saw gain traction there is a fake account for chris thomason the longtime viking beat writer for the uh, saint paul pioneer press who used to cover the nuggets back in the day um and the fake account like has has a different number of m's and s's than his actual surname and that fake account it got like 280 likes because he said because the fake account said that the Vikings wanted Drew Locke and the Stephen Weatherly deal, and the Broncos said no. And I and I saw people kind of responding. I'm like, oh my gosh, people, stop falling for this crap.
1: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> oh. I don't think our, our, uh, our commenters fall for that. so let's, oh. let's, let's hear from David Florent. He says, let's say Fangio is fired after the season. What would that look like with the ownership situation? I remember seeing that the ownership, uh, should be settled one way or another off season, but would they wait until they had an owner to hire a coach? I feel like it would be weird to hire a coach in January and they get a new owner in, let's say March and then have a situation where the owner did not choose the new head coach. What are your thoughts? And David, you'll love our conversation that we had earlier in the pod because we, we touched on this exactly. And you're right in terms of the timeline. Uh, the According to Joe Ellis, the Broncos will have a new owner sometime next spring-ish. But it's not going to be before the Broncos need to hire a new coach. And you're not going to wait to hire a new coach until March, April, May, June. You, you have to hire a coach in January. So it you're 100% right, David. It will be very awkward if the Broncos choose to hire a new coach because they will hire a new coach then get a new owner and heck the owner may say after one year i want a new coach i want a new gm and and he would be well within his right and he would have all the money to do so yeah and even if you
3: wanted the edgar kaiser timeline of 40 years ago you'd have to have the sale complete by march and the only way you're having a sale complete by march is if the team goes on the blocks pretty much today right that that's that's the only way that's happening. Of course, the story with that is when Edgar Kaiser completed his purchase of the Broncos, he had Fred Gurky as GM and Red Miller as head coach. And as I've been told, he met with both of them. Didn't like what he heard and had his people in mind. His people in mind were Grady Alderman who'd been working for the Minnesota Vikings. And then Dan Reeves, who was on Tom Landry's staff. And so in early March, Gurky and Miller were fired. Alderman and Red Miller, or, or Dan Reeves, pardon me, came in. Alderman was quickly forgotten. Reeves end up in the ring of fame. But that sort of thing, that's exceptionally rare. I mean, you look for like late for late in the offseason coaching changes, you think back to when Jimmy Johnson. And Jerry Jones butted heads and parted ways. That was like late March, early April when they brought in Barry Switzer. I mean, this sort of thing just generally isn't done. So we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, I expect that what'll happen, Zach, is if they do make a coaching change early in the off season, then a new owner comes in, but then that that coach is potentially on a really short leash and maybe the GM is as well. And oh, by the way, if that happens, That leads to more trying to win now, right? Instead of trying to just strip down, rebuild, and focus on the future. So you, you might get caught in that pattern again. Yeah, you, you seriously oh.
1: may. Oh, I mean, I, some bad realizations coming on this pod, Mace, but but some some true ones as well. Next yeah. one from Race City Bronco. We're gonna go in super speed here, Mace. He says the defense was terrible in Cleveland. Seventeen points hides the fact that Denver was a kneel down and blocked field goal away from giving up twenty seven points against the the Browns. Part of the problem is Denver's offense isn't sustained long drives anymore, which leaves the defense tired and we're significantly losing the time of possession battle. Teddy is obviously hurt, and I don't understand why they're forcing. Him to play. I know people are down on Drew Locke for his performance against the Ravens, but their defense is going against doing that against every quarterback except for yesterday. I mean, did you see what they did to Justin Herbert last week? Yeah, Ray Ray City Bronco, you don't have to convince us that. I understand you guys want to see Drew Locke, but the coaching staff couldn't be more opposite. They are going to ride Teddy Bridgewater until they are completely out of it. And the way they view it is they're only, what, two games back of first place in the AFC West now with, what, 11, 13 games left to go, something crazy like that. So, I mean, they're not viewing themselves as out of it at all. So I, I don't see a quarterback change unless there's a big injury until at least the bye week, at least. Yep, ten
3: games to go, and you're two games back, and I believe you're only one game back of the wild card spot. At sitting yep. there, at four and three. So, yeah, they don't view it that way. And look, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir on playing on not playing Bridgewater when he's hurt. I mean, I wrote that last week that uh, they should they should put in Drew Locke if they're if what they said in. August and even again last week when Pat Shermer was asked about Drew Locke if what they said is true they would have no hesitation if when Teddy Bridgewater was hurt to put in Drew Locke and have him have him come out of the bullpen even at some point during the game on Thursday night but one thing you learn covering this sport is focus on what they do not what they say they may say that they've got all this trust in Drew Locke but what they're doing doesn't back up those words
1: Exactly. Next one from Dan Burke. He says, Hi, guys. So I think we'd all say the best three players on the field against the Browns were Javante Williams, Pat Sertan, and Jonathan Cooper. All three are rookies, and more importantly, all three are George Payton draft picks. I understand the context of taking a corner when quarterback is the biggest need, but at least they got a good player, which is easier said than done. Going back a few months, there was an agent poll that said George Payton was already considered the second best talent evaluator in the league. Early returns are that he added some good players in the first. First draft class, but y'all are more confident in his ability to find talent in the draft after seeing those three guys play yesterday. Well, I mean, with Cooper, seventh round pick
3: works out that's great, but that's not something you can you can rely on. That's and remember, he was only he was available because he had the heart condition. So the Broncos took a gamble and it pay it so far, it's paid off. I mean, he looks great. Like if, if he doesn't have the heart condition come up and he's and he's fine in that regard, he's gonna be a player. And I think he mm-hmm. I think he has a chance to be around for a long time. So that was just the Broncos, I think, taking the right kind of the right kind of risk there. But that being said, the Vikings, you know, with all the picks that they had with Rick Spielman and George Payton there, they had a lot of misses, too. It's not gonna, it's not going to be 100 percent. It's it, it's and the other thing is, is until they hit on the quarterback, to some degree, it's just deck chairs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I- exactly. And I mean, Dan, when you, when you look at the quarterback or the the draft class, and this is a way bigger conversation, Pat Sertan was, it was, he was easy to hit on. I I don't think anyone had questions about him as a player. It was just how high were you willing to draft him? So sure. He hit on Pat Sertan, but I think that was an easy one. Javante Williams, pretty much in that same light. No one had questions about Javante Williams. It was again, how, what, how high are you willing to draft him? Are you willing to go in the first round? The Broncos are willing to trade up for him. So Yes, he hit on Javante Williams. But again, I think that was a pretty easy one to hit on where you give him a ton of credit is Caden Stearns. Uh, He looks like an absolute player. And then, of course, Jonathan Cooper as well. So that's where I'm really giving George Payton the credit for is with those two picks. Not really his first two picks, but now there's question marks with both third round picks and then there's question marks with every other pick in the draft. But those third round picks need to turn out in order for this draft class to be, you know, a wildly successful one, at least in George Payton's eyes.
3: Yeah, let's not judge until we get a couple years down the line. I think early returns are good, but let's just kind of wait and see because, hey, uh, some perspectives on Elway's classes have changed uh, when you've had a couple of years to look back on that. Kendall Hinton Hall of Famer. Ryan may be a clown, but huge props for coming up and offering yourself up as a punching bag for fans to direct their frustration and blame. As many of the Super chats said, it's not your fault. I turned off the game just before halftime. First Broncos game I've stopped watching in over two years, I think. This should have been our best season in a while. We were gifted an easy schedule and another gift with these Browns. Instead, it's another hard, unconscionably bad season. The fans are becoming apathetic and apoplectic. Can you be apathetic and apoplectic? Those those two kind of go against each other,
1: don't you think? I have no idea. I'll let you be the judge of that.
3: (laughs) Apoplectic is like just, you know, you're in this regard in terms of your mood. It's just being extremely angry. Apathetic is not caring. So that would like being constipated and having diarrhea at the same time. So anyway, <laughs> oh boy, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. This is what it looks like to be out outcoached. Even with our linebacker injuries, we were the more talented slash better roster on the field tonight. That said, I don't think people realize how hard it is to play versus a strong running team with a good O-line and good running scheme with your third string and fifth string inside linebackers. Not enough time for everything, but Vaughn's play was pretty good overall. I'm not sure the average fan realizes it's virtually impossible for Vaughn to get a sack on 70, maybe 75% of the plays because they're run screens, et cetera. On the maybe 8 to 10 plays he could get a sack, he didn't, but got one quarterback hitting good pressure once and multiple times he was chipped and double teamed.
1: He played all right. Well, uh, here's the thing about Vaughn, though. He didn't say, I'm going to have an all right game. He said, I'm going to have uh, a damn good game. I'm going to come out and get a couple of sacks. Now, I know he wasn't able to play in the second half, but Mace, he should have had at least one sack by that standard. He put the bar for himself that high. He was the one that did that, and he was embarrassed after the game. He he said just how, you know, he, he was hurt emotionally by that, not being able to live up to what he said. So in terms of Vaughn, uh, I understand that you guys love Vaughn. Uh, and he can do no wrong, but when he is the one that goes out on a limb and says that stuff and then doesn't live up to it, that that's why we're critical. You know, we we wouldn't have been critical. I wouldn't have been critical of Vaughn's game if he hadn't come out and put those expectations on himself, because you're right. He wasn't bad, but he said he was going to be great and he was not great. I wouldn't mind if Vaughn parked the
3: boastfulness car in the garage for a little while and just went out and played.
1: I asked Vic Fangio what he thought of Vaughn's comments after the game and on, on Friday, and he said, that's not the way that I would do things. And so I think – Oh, I no. Think I, go- I'm agreeing with Uncle Vic. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you are, Mason. And I have to imagine that that um, message, maybe not directly from Vic, but uh, the backlash and humiliation that, that Vaughn admitted to having is going to make it so that uh, that stays in the garage, as you would say. Yep. Do not say exactly. Broncolic711 says, Hey guys, wow, the last two performances by the Broncos have been disgusting to watch. I used to be a defender of the Fangio hire, thinking he was the best candidate we interviewed for the job. However, I am done giving him the benefit of the doubt. He has built a horrendous staff, with the only exception being Mike Munchek. He needs to be fired immediately for no other reason than trying to give back some energy to this team. Also, fire the special teams coordinator and offensive coordinator today. If I'm Peyton, I'm doing the following ASAP. Trade Melvin Gordon to the Bills, maybe. Graham Glasgow, before the trade does line for whatever you can get. This team needs to go Williams and Boone going forward. Promote to interim head coach whoever will start playing Cooper over Reed and Caden Stearns at hybrid linebacker slash safety on every play possible. At least Stearns is laying some wood out there. More than I can say for anyone else since week three. The whole team is playing without any effort and looks like they have been completely drained from energy that they had to begin with. The only way I can think to create a spark is to start putting the young players on the field that will play hard even if they lead to some mistakes because of The lack of experience. It's not like it can make the offense or defenses perform any worse at this point. Also, quick, sorry, RK, you were insane to think this was a guaranteed win with how badly we played against the Raiders. I told a coworker yesterday what all the Browns were missing, and I was still worried the Broncos would lose. Uh,
3: Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was insane. Look, I picked the Broncos to win. I ain't guarantee it, but I'll admit I had some PTSD on Case Keenum. I thought Keenan mm-hmm. would make the one throw that we saw way too often in Denver that turned the game, and he didn't turn the game in a bad way.
1: It, yes, he did. He didn't,
3: to his credit. Now, I think a big reason why he didn't make that throw was because Stev- Kevin Stefanski get, kept that game plan within Case Keenan's skill set.
1: So, yep. That'll give him a huge, huge credit to Kevin, Kevin Stefanski. And guys, just a reminder here. When when we're doing these in season pods, if you could keep your comments a little shorter, please, just so that we can get to everyone uh, and and be fair along that next one coming in from H town Bronco. He says, after we lost the Steelers, I commented that the Broncos were done stick a fork in them. Y'all said I was being too much and it was too early, but I knew the truth excuse me. I knew that we may legit go three and 14 now living in Texas. Okay. I think that's a little over the top, but maybe not. Who knows? Maybe you're right. H Town Bronco. If, if they go three and 14, you can come back and get me with that. He says, living in Texas, I was watching the game with some buddies who don't know much about the Broncos after the first drive we gave up. I knew we were going to lose at halftime. I was saying the game was already over. They were like, it's only 10 zero, which I responded. Oh, I know it's the same story. Every week we'll start playing in the fourth quarter, but it'll be too little too late <clears throat> after the game my friend said it was crazy that i called it they started playing in the fourth but it was too late i told my friend i wasn't surprised at all same old story and i knew what was going to happen after both teams first drive what does that say the players clearly don't respect fangio how do you come out flack weak flat week after week after week after week after week and then fat boy makes no change oh well that's mean makes no Easy. changes and and pretends everything is fine every day he's too old uh, someone should tell him that oh. he shouldn't be the decision maker he's tarnishing his resume in his in in my opinion I think the players may just be trying to get him fired at least that's what I'm telling myself funny thing is I'm going to the Dallas game in two weeks thankfully it's a weekend trip and going with some buddies because I could care less about the game at this point point. seriously si- sincerely an embarrassed Broncos fan where can I get to find a brown paper bag for the game to wear geez oh. and I mean that is just uh, you know a lot of emotions coming out, and Mace, we, we're we're only going to get more and more of those feelings if the Broncos continue to lose.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know everyone's kind of upset right now, and I get that, but oh, I mean, so some of the stuff was harsh. Now that being said, I don't think they're going three and fourteen, but I am over the whole thing of saying, "Oh, if the team is out of it, there's some value in some late season wins." No, if you can't be a playoff team, as far as I'm concerned, lose them all.
1: Lose, lose, Just
3: just lose and help your draft position. The the things things I could never have said when I was working for the team, but I kind of felt deep in my gut, and I'm going to say them now. If you can't be a playoff team, just as far as I'm concerned, lose them all.
1: Without a doubt. LDJ says, at this point, I don't know what to do other than keep everyone as competitive as possible. When Albert O comes back, Noah Fant, who for me has been the biggest disappointment, has to be competing for his job. You saw Melvin Javante fight for their touchdowns. Meanwhile, he's 6'4", 250, tight end, falls down short of the sticks every third down. Ryan, you're right, he's soft, and I don't understand it's frustrating watching Noah this season seriously. Yeah, I mean, just... Not I, I want to see
3: him fight through tacklers more. That's yeah. why I, earlier in the podcast, I said, you know, yeah, you wish Teddy Bridgewater would throw down field more, but every quarterback does check downs from time to time. Teddy probably does it more than most do that. That is a fact, but show some fight. Like I see Derek Carr and look for Hunter Renfro and the guy's fighting off the tackler and he's fighting to keep himself uh, off, the, off the ground. So his knee or his elbow doesn't touch so he can get that extra yard. Okay. I want to see that kind of fight.
1: With with a without a doubt, Mace, and yes. uh, the Broncos are going to have a very interesting decision to make on him with that fifth year option after this year.
3: Mm-hmm. No question, no question, no question. Hartford Bronco. Hey, gang! Longtime member, first time commenting. Listening the to, listen to the pod every day, and truly appreciate what you all do. You make being a Bronco fan in Connecticut much easier. That said, the apathy is setting in. I seem not be able to get angry about these losses anymore. They are expected at this point. I've tried to give Vic the benefit of the doubt, but it's time for him to go. This team has become an embarrassment. Hope Peyton does the right thing. But as Zach pointed out last night, he seems to be taking the sit back and watch approach. Might keep watching. Probably we'll keep listening without a doubt. Hartford Bronco, we love you riding with us and we love you listening. Hopefully you might feel if you might feel apathetic about the team, but not feel apathetic about us.
1: Exactly. And we really appreciate that. All of you guys still comment and still listen. It means the world to us. So love you, Hartford Bronco and Oh, by the way, chiming in says, Wow, what a devastating three weeks. Luckily, I feel like Peyton has made a lot of good draft picks. We knew he wasn't going to shape up the coaching staff this year and take a year to observe things. I'm so ready to see him put his mark on this team after this year. What are your predictions for the starting quarterback head coach combo for the 2022 season? You, you want optimism? Yeah, of course. All right, I'll be optimistic. Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I love it. I love it. Um man, <laughs> I'll be optimistic too. Doug Peterson and uh uh, give me give me a good uh who's your realistic quarterback to be available at pick 7, Mace? Uh Malik Willis. OK, there we go. That that That's the optimistic look right there. Broncos go veteran, experienced head coach and go with a first round quarterback.
3: But hopefully they're not starting Malik Willis if they draft him because he needs some time.
1: Mm, yeah, hopefully it's not too far on the back burner, though. Y- yeah, that's true. That's true. Mile high till I die says my boys. Feel sad to say but I'm quitting on the season. I grew up watching the 08 Broncos start 4 and 1 and finish 8 and 8 and the 09 Broncos start 6 and 0 and finish 8 and 8. I can't believe I bought into 3 and 0 hype that 3 and 0 hype this year when this team is completely bogus. We have too much talent to make so many mistakes and have so little heart. Our coaching staff is way too experienced to be this inept. It's not just that we're losing, it's a total lack of passion and energy. Teddy seems like a great guy but he has no hype and he's not a leader. Catch me watching actually good football the rest of the season. I'll check back in on the Broncos in March when they draft and free agency rumors start up again. I say we'll hire Doug Peterson for head coach, pay Kellen Kellen Moore double his salary to come be our offensive coordinator and sell the farm to trade for whoever the best quarterback available is. Burn this house down. will mile high till I die. Good news is the Broncos could be able to get Doug Peterson or Kellen Moore. Bad news is they won't be able to get both.
3: Yeah, because if Moore leaves it's to be somebody's head coach. Yeah, double the salary And look, they're not going to double his salary to be O.C. That's just not going to happen.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if they could. Uh, I think if he's they, under contract, they could. They couldn't. That, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the Cowboys would be happy to keep him as their O.C., but he'll be someone's head coach next year.
3: He, he probably will. Windy City Bronco. John Elway was a bad general manager there. I said it. The only good things Elway accomplished as a GM were because of his reputation as a quarterback, not his skills as a manager gave him the credibility to land Manning with Manning came good free agents who want to be part of a winning team does anybody here think Elway hires Kubiak if he hadn't played football with the guy what we saw last night was the product of a decade of failure by Elway I'm glad he is gone so I can get back to remembering the drive instead of the dumbfounded looks of the coaches Elway hires and real quick Zach do you think it was interesting that when Vic said he talked with people on Friday that one of them was Elway
1: Mm, No, because I think, I think Elway has been in all of these big conversations. And one of the things Mace that we know is George Payton is keeping Elway very close to him and wants to follow his wishes, which may end up being a bad thing mm. for George Payton. If he continues to stand by Elway's guys, when it's clear that he shouldn't so that it, it's not a surprise to me. And it's Maybe a concerning thing Mace. there's a reason why the Broncos have a new general manager, managers because John Elway wasn't doing a good job these past five years. You need to put separation between yourself and that guy. Yeah, I know.
3: I know. And I know people point out quite a bit how, um, how he was there with the binoculars looking down, watching. Um, yep. He's still the president of football operations. Mm hmm. But, uh, yeah, you do wonder just kind of how involved he still is.
1: Yeah, and it, my guess is for big decisions, he's he's right there oh, and yeah. everything we know, it, it seems like it as well. The only thing I'll disagree about, Windy City Bronco, is um, – Without John Elway, you don't have Peyton Manning. And when we talked to Peyton Manning earlier this year, Mace, Peyton made that pretty darn clear without saying that word for word. He said how important it was to have John Elway in that recruiting process, bringing him to Denver. So then, if you don't have Peyton, you don't have any of those free agents, you don't have the Super Bowl, uh, and then mm. you probably have a worse decade than you've had right now. So, w- Windy City Bronco, you can say John Elway was maybe a bad talent evaluator in the draft. I think you have some ground there, but bringing in free agents and and luring them in is part of a general manager's job for five years. There was no one better than, than John. Exactly. So, I mean, he did, he did his job, but I think the thing is
3: he's going to be defined by his coaching quarterback hires after Peyton Manning's departure. And unfortunately when he hasn't had that, that magic pill of having uh, the great quarterback, it just had it just hasn't been there and he's swung and missed every time he's tried to find it and we talked earlier the search for shortcuts right Hey, we yeah. can shortcut our way back to contention we can you know heck I mean figuring in 2016 that uh, Mark Sanchez Trevor Simeon and Paxton Leash would somehow be enough.
1: Ugh, yikes not I mean, not good yeah I mean I'm sorry that's I'll love to know. Trev, though. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Trev. (laughs) I mean, he was the best one of them.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's literally Trevor was probably uh, Trevor probably was about the 45th best option league wide. But, you know, Trevor was one of John's
1: best draft picks. How about that? Value wise, you can't argue that Yeah, he got out of the
3: seventh round pick.
1: Yep. You got a winning record out of a seventh round pick a quarterback. Not, not bad. Broncos only says, is it time to bring back lonely on the weekend as the outro song? Uh, Maybe, maybe. Although that song, great, great song, but uh, not necessarily any better for the Broncos chances on the field.
3: No, no, no. We, I don't know what we're going to (laughs) do. We need something. Well, here's an idea from Omaha. I've been sitting on this take for a minute, but I'm ready to put it out in the world. The next head coach for these Denver Broncos Mm. needs to be Lane Kiffin. (laughs) I know many consider him to be a massive bleep, beep, but I implore you to hear me out. One, he ain't a dinosaur. Two, he knows offense. Three, he hates the Raiders. Four, for better or worse, (laughs) he's got a ton of pride and doesn't just sit back and take garbage play like the current staff loves to do. And number five, and this is probably the most interesting one, The Broncos literally could be in the Matt Corral driver's seat, and those two seem to be pretty simpatico. I love this idea. I'm stumping for Lane Kiffin until it happens, which, given George Payton's makeup, likely never will, but I can freaking dream. Love y'all. You know, Lane Kiffin does pass my standard of having been a head
1: coach in the NFL
3: somewhere else before.
1: Yep, Mace, that, that was something that I was going to add as a note. Six. To his argument for it is that he does have NFL coaching experience and man, what he's doing at Old Miss and with Matt Corral. Oh my goodness. You're right. Give me Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral as the head coach quarterback combo next year. And I am all for it. Oh man. I, I would, it, it, it's, it's, it's almost Mike Shanahan 2.0 in terms of the, his Raiders connection as well, getting fired by them, getting done, done dirty by them. So man, and he knows offense. He's fun. He's creative. He's doing incredible things with old miss. I am all for it. Omaha former graduate assistant at CSU as well. Yeah. How about that? Did CSU is pretty good with those uh, good college coaches that were once grad assistants.
3: Yeah. And I mean, You're also talking about a guy named Kiffin with with me. Of course, Monty Kiffin was the great defensive coordinator of the Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? I I, look, I am in I'll say this. I am intrigued by the, if they did get a college coach, someone like Lane Kiffin, who has some pro experience in his background, but someone who would say, Hey, I've got my guy. I want him to be our quarterback. Now that the story I like to tell, Brett Bielema interviewed for the Dolphins job in 2012. He goes and he tells him, I want to draft Russell Wilson to be my quarterback. And that gets shot down the interview and the interview continues, but Bielema knows I'm not taking this job. Right. Right. Imagine if the Dolphins had done that. Brett Bielema might not be the coach of Illinois right now. He might still be the head coach the Miami Dolphins.
1: <laughs> How about that? And I really hope the Broncos wouldn't shoot him down for Matt Corral. Uh, yeah. I'm I, I I've casually watched him this season, you know, not, not diving into the film or anything, but man, I, I love what I've seen so yeah. far. Mace. He, he, he has moved up
3: and, and he has answered the question that I had about him going into the season. The big thing last year was that one mistake became two, three so fast. And he had these interception cluster games. That hasn't happened this year. He's, he, if, it, if there's a mistake, it happens. He gets past it. He moves on. He's developed that kind of short memory that corners have that when it comes to mistakes, QBs need to have. Issues don't linger with him. He's an accurate passer. I'm, I'd be fine with Matt Corral. I, I have come around on him now that I have seen what I wanted to see from him this year. And if he May came he with have- Lane Kiffin, great
1: yep yep i would love it mace i wouldn't be surprised if matt corral is the number one overall pick we'll see if his rise continues to be that meteoric yep chicago bronco 86 that was just painful
3: to make matters even worse my friend who is a lions fan seemed genuinely confused by how bland denver's offensive play calling was i guess the one glimmer of hope is that this may have been necessary to finally blow up the post Super bowl iteration of the broncos I don't think any young QB is going to thrive in this offensive system and the massive lack of defensive big plays under Vic has finally caught up with him. Denver needs a new coaching staff, modern scheme, and then to find a young QB to fit in it. It's all on Peyton now. Love the pod though.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Chicago thank you. Bronco 86. And like I'm saying, it, it, it it's all on Peyton. It's all on George Peyton to make coaching changes to he can force drew in the lineup. If he wants, I'm not saying one or both of those are the right thing to do, but now Mace, like I said last week, and it's really starting to ripple in these comments is George Payton is now going to start being under the microscope. He got seven free weeks of going clean, but now people are going to say, George, this is, this is all happening on your watch. Now you can do things about it. So we want to see you do something
3: exactly just go just go ahead and do it don't screw around just make a bowl move even and look we talk about how like some of the doug petersons may want may not want to take the bronco job but lane kiffin what if he looked at it and said yeah you know that'd be interesting i could live with the instability
1: if i get my guy right exactly maybe more of a gamble because he's making a big leap
3: yeah Exactly. Good
1: point. Yeah. He, he also goes, sorry to meant meant to include this in the comment under Fangio. Denver has a total of 39 takeaways. This is only more than Jacksonville, 38 Detroit, 37 and the Raiders, 37. As of the end of this week, the Raiders now have now are tied with the Broncos and Jags because they played one less game. Detroit's the only team Denver is truly beating now. And Mace, I think we can all say, and just as this comment points out, the defense in so many areas has been very underwhelming uh, in these past couple of years, not just because the Broncos have a defensive guru mastermind, as a lot of people call Vic Fangio, uh, but also because of all the talent they've had and they just have not been able to put together a dominant defense and in, in really any department, specifically turnovers and sacks.
3: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned turnovers, Zach, because The Broncos are doing badly in the last four weeks in a lot of defensive metrics. I pointed that out on Twitter on Friday. But a but they're worst of all in takeaways in the last four weeks. That they only have they only have the one one takeaway in the last four games. Right now, the Broncos turnover margin is plus two, which is fine, but they're sitting there with only six takeaways, and only six teams have fewer takeaways than the Broncos. Oh, where that is where so are the takeaways? To to, paraphr- to paraphrase uh, Jim Morrison in, um, in "Ghost Song," wh- he said, "Where is? Where are the feasts we were promised? Where are the takeaways we were promised?" They haven't happened.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they have not happened. Man, that's such a bummer. Def says, been watching the Broncos religiously since I was 10. I'm 30 now, and I've never felt more apathetic about this franchise. I shudder to think about what we look like facing competent opponents. Right now, the Broncos are the worst team in the league. I was hoping they proved me wrong last night, but if you can't get motivated when the whole world is watching, when will you also hate to say it, Ryan, but I have no idea why you're confident in this team against the lions. They would walk all over the Broncos in their current state, Abandon hope all ye who enter three and 14 until they prove otherwise. And Mace, I kid you not midway through that comment, before we got to the part about the lions, I thought the exact same thing that def Wu said, I thought if we, I don't know exactly where the lions and Broncos are going to be when they play in December, but if that Detroit lions game, was this weekend, I may pick the lions and I don't want to be dramatic, but the lions are playing with heart. And I mean, we saw it yesterday against the Rams. Now, of course that was a, a little bigger of a game because Matthew Stafford playing his former team, uh, Jared Doff playing his former team, but the lions, they, they seem to, you know, they're not in every single game, but man, they are fighting tooth and nail for every single game. And if if the Broncos and Lions are where they are right now when they play in December, even with the game in Denver, man, I don't like that game.
3: I admire what Dan Campbell did yesterday, even though they didn't win. I admire mm-hmm. just, throw, just throwing everything out there. Oh, fake punt, onside kick, let's do yeah. it.
1: Yeah.
3: And I, I I think going forward we're going to see more of that kind of effort philosophy from dan campbell
0: right. hey
3: you know what we are what we are but we're gonna we are going to try everything and clearly you could even see in the blowouts those guys still play hard
1: right yeah Motivation and also not I mean, a problem it, it, talent is. and and mace I, I think those things all play into it that even for an O for team they're still having as much fun as you can while being in a losing mm-hmm. environment because their coach is is all about the energy he's all about the effort and and i think the players are really buying into that so you're exactly right the the coaching the motivation isn't an issue it's just the talent and the card or the the lions are in a big rebuild and when you trade your quarterback away for two first round picks you're admitting you're in a rebuild so i think the lions fans can you know i'm sure they're not happy with the results but they can get behind it
3: yep vincey who did Shelby tell? Don't ask me that dumb question," quote unquote. And quote, "You are known to ask me some dumb stuff." Unquote. And what was their original question during the post-game pressers? It's very hard to hear the actual questions sometimes. I remember yes, the actual. I, the, I wasn't the actual there. Question? What?
1: I didn't actually didn't know any of this went down. I
3: don't remember the actual question off top of my head. I know it was asked by Ryan O'Halloran or the Denver Post.
1: Okay, and Shelby yes. just didn't like it. Yeah wow yeah because they did not include that in transcripts to say the least
3: of course not of course they didn't but yes
1: wow yeah that Shelby was, getting a little hot that was a that was a little uh that was a little feisty there I mean, yeah. Wow. DJ Denver says no one will ever convince me that the only thing that kept John Elway who spent his non Peyton Manning career desperately seeking himself and saw Josh Allen is a vital clone of himself via the arm size, athletic ability, speed grittiness uh where even early in both of their careers they were their stats stunk and both had a knack for making their best throws on a on the day on a crucial third and seven during a game winning drive or taking off around the end and gaining seven and a half yards before scooting out of bounds um so that was all in quote or in parentheses right there he says the only thing that will keep with that that The only thing that kept John Elway from drafting Josh Allen was that he thought that there was one way he could ever get run out of town. Would have been to miss out on his third consecutive high ceiling, low floor quarterback, high round draft pick. I loved Allen at the time, but to be fair, we shouldn't pretend that the consensus was that he was a consensus automatic pick at five. And the majority of the draft analysts and GMs at that time would have also passed on Allen at five, especially when the Browns took Ward and Chubb and they have and fell into our lap. But the worst part of that is the double whammy that makes it so painful. It would have been a one-for-one swap between Allen and Chubb. We also would have kept CSU's Shaq Barrett, who not only played a lot better than Chubb, but while Chubb has missed 20 out of the 55 games since he's been drafted, Shaq's missed four. The thought of having Allen and Barrett instead of Chubb makes me want to cry. Yep. I mean... (laughs) It's <laughs> it's it right there. Brutal. Yeah. I mean, if if they had uh, you know, the defensive player of the year and uh and a MVP caliber quarterback, things would be looking a lot different right now, Mace. This is, they are. This is what losing
3: teams lament. The moments where you look back and say, if only we'd made that choice.
1: Yep, exactly. Yes. Especially when it comes to the quarterback position.
3: Oh, uh, sir of Norway, in your opinion, what are the required competencies? One must possess to function as a great head coach in the organizational context of the Denver Broncos. I believe that the organization at any point in time must have a clear and precise answer to this in order to fulfill their vision, values, intentions, direction, and objectives. Because if you cannot precisely define what you want, you cannot hold others responsible if you do not get it. That's a good question. And I think it's just true for any team hiring a coach. I would start with this. I do not want a coach who is specifically scheme dependent I want a coach mm. who adapts tactics and scheme to what they have look and this is maybe kind of a high ideal I'm looking for a Joe Gibbs who learned the Don Coryell offense but then looked at a bunch of tight ends and lower le- and quarterbacks who weren't Dan Fouts in Washington and said I'm gonna I'm gonna focus more on power running here or Bill Parcells who's one with Drew Bledsoe and he won with Bill Sims and he's one and one with other quarterbacks or Don Shula who won back-to-back Super Bowls with a no name defense in a ground ground game and then didn't win a Super Bowl, won a lot of games, had a lot of success throwing the ball around with Dan Marino. I And this is high, yeah, those are high ideals, but what those coaches understood was this. I have to mold what our team does based around the talent that I possess. And if a, Dong Shula had Dan Marino, he wasn't going to keep that stallion in the barn. He was going to tell him to turn it loose. That's what I want.
1: Well, Mace, it's a great point, but it, it makes me ask the question. So what about Kyle Shanahan? He, he certainly is a guy that you know has his system. Is that something that would concern you?
3: A little bit, but remember he and Mike molded their system in 2012 to get a great year out of Archie 3
1: That's true. That's very true. Speaking of Kyle, he is no better than the Broncos. In fact, he's worse than the Broncos. They are two and four out in San Francisco right now. So just more, uh, more fodder for that fire of how good the Broncos would be if they actually had him
3: fodder for the fire that's a great that's
1: a great alliteration there's <laughs> thank you mace next one i think we have time for a couple more says some people call me from the space Cowboys. says so the broncos play one more game before the trade deadline does the outcome of the washington football team game determine if the broncos become buyers or sellers by november 22nd or by november 2nd or will moves made before will moves made will moves be made before Halloween feels like some guys like Von Gordon, Kareem Jackson could all be traded. Who is most likely to get traded to the outrage of Von being potentially traded for a conditional sixth. Well, I think it's a great question and a question that we're definitely going to dive deep into this week, but the one I'll hit right now is Mesa. I don't see any moves happening before this game. Typically uh, the, the moves come in that Monday and Tuesday of the trade week.
3: The one move I could see happening is Kyle Fuller.
1: Mm, yeah, potentially, potentially. And, and maybe I, we're going to dive yeah. into all of these names yeah. this week. Cause it, it, it's a great conversation and one that needs to be had. It, it, it is orange and blur. Hey guys, feel free right now. It's your job to cover this team. While as fans can
3: just back slowly away when things get bleak, like they are right now, I'm very impressed with the way you're able to come up with entertaining content. Even when this football team, the raw material of your podcast and writing leaves much to be desired. I just read an intriguing article from Nikki job about Nathaniel Hackett Packers offensive coordinator. He'd make a very interesting prospect as Broncos head coach. In the article, Aaron Rodgers has a lot of praise from his leader and motivator, just what this team needs. And maybe Aaron would be enticed to work with him again in the Broncos uniform. What do you Mm. think? That's why I said that was a dream scenario,
1: because I think if you got (laughs)
3: Nathaniel Hackett, then Aaron Rodgers would say, "Hmm, yeah, Pittsburgh sounds good. I like Mike Tomlin, but I like my guy, Nathaniel.
1: Mm, yeah, that would be that would be a big ploy in order to get Aaron Rodgers. And man, yeah, it really seems like Pittsburgh's heating up as a team to land Aaron Rodgers as well.
3: Yeah, you know, the thing with Rodgers is, does he want to go West? Yes. I think in his heart, he'd kind of prefer that. But he, all, Aaron Rodgers knows football history, maybe not to the degree of Peyton Manning, but he appreciates and understands it. He appreciates and understands what the Pittsburgh Steelers mean. And he also... I think looks at the, at their coach, Mike, you know, Mike Tomlin maximizes what he has
1: very He winks well. at their coach. Yes. Literally There's on the a, sidelines. It's like,
3: <laughs> it's great. Respecting. Great. That's what that mm-hmm. is.
1: It is. And then also Mace, unfortunately, you look at the the defense that the Pittsburgh Steelers have, the Broncos were supposed to have this type of vaunted fear defense. And it, the Steelers are, are so talented on the defensive side. They have pieces on the offensive side. Uh, and clearly Ben Roethlisberger is not their quarterback of the future and is on an expiring contract. So, I mean, it makes sense for them to be in the mix. And uh, ever since that wink from, from Rogers to Tomlin, it seems like they've really started to pick up some heat. Yep, exactly. And Ange- this last yeah, last one, oh, I'll, I'll let you get
3: it. Okay, AJ Bronco eighty five. Who says my boys? It's been quite a while since I've commented, but I listen religiously. I won't waste time with negative comments. I think it's all been covered. Yeah, you're right there. Just want to say thanks for always keeping us from jumping off the ledge and making us laugh consistently. Mace, congrats on your Braves. Thank you. At least one of us has a great team. Boy, you know what? In my world lightning back-to-back championships bucks winning a super bowl braves in the world series i mean i i can't complain for a long time can i
1: (laughs) no you cannot (laughs) definitely not you are spoiled
3: spoiled
1: spoiled rotten i love it we'll all be cheering for your braves mace and we will wrap up now i know we had some comments rolling at the very end that we weren't able to get to so if you just want to post those on tomorrow's we really appreciate it we really appreciate all of you for tuning in and all of you for leaving comments before we get out of here i gotta tell you about our presenting sponsor msu denver one more time because time and time again the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is education allowing you to adapt and to varying careers. And you can go build your toolbox over at MSU Denver. Make sure to check them out because they let you live your life while getting an education. And that is what you need right now. You don't have to stop your life to get an education. You can continue to live it and get a great education over at MSU Denver online. So make sure to check them out. And Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Man, we're on the bounce back week right now. See if the Broncos can turn things around, get things back to 4-4 or... Do they need to sell it all and blow it all up? We'll be breaking all of that down this week on the DNBR Broncos podcast. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a terrific start to your week, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
2: Roll out the truck and took a country drive.